Hey, welcome to Oasis Singles. My name is Pastor Dave, and I'm so excited you're here. By the way, this site is not just about Christian dating service reviews and so forth, but it's also about life advice, all things Christian single. We have articles, we have interactive ways that you can get in touch with each other, and we also have podcasts that are all about the Christian life. I hope you enjoy our site, and I hope you enjoy the podcast you're about to listen to right now. God bless. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about something related to that, to that film right there, and it's going to be uh, kind of like a negative command, and these are all commands in the scripture. It's called, uh, do not compare to each other. These guys right here are comparing to one another, and uh, I think we can all kind of identify with that. There's scriptures right here, uh, in the next slide, it says Galatians chapter 6, verses 3 and 4 talks about why we shouldn't be comparing to each other because it kind of gets into like a nasty scene um, and so forth. And I remember, and you can see uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12, says this, uh, talks about um, kind of like not comparing to one another. Because when you do that, when you compare, when you compete, you kind of miss the whole point about why God brought us together. You ever meet like this, you ever grow up in, in like a sibling rivalry at, in your home? And some of us have, like you're like the, maybe the middle one or the older one. And I was like the, the younger one. So they all thought that I got all the good stuff because the younger one was the most, I guess, um, spoiled of the sorts. So there was a sibling rivalry going on this continuum. Why did they have that? Why don't I have that? Hey, how come she has that and I don't have that? And it's kind of like that. And life is kind of like that, isn't it? We kind of like compare ourselves to one another all the time. And I just kind of make a confession. I'm going to share a couple of stories about myself. And it's, it's um, because to get to the point, I, this message to me, and I'm just sharing from my heart, um, this message to me has been so moving for me. It's been life-changing for me because my whole life basically is one of comparing this one and that one. When, when we compare, what we're saying is, well, we're better than these people, but we're, we're kind of envious of those people because we think that maybe we're not good enough or we think that maybe we're better than other people. And it's just like that. And so I was working, and, and maybe and if you're not like this, God bless you, but I was working at um, Family Court where I used to work, and I had my friend Roger who gave me permission to share this. And he, uh, we always would talk about how we wanted to get out of Family Court. I mean, we just wanted to, like, find some other job because it was a drag working there. We didn't like our jobs because we were comparing our jobs to what other people had. You ever do that? You ever compare your job and say, man, I wish I had that job. Why did they get that? Why did, I, why did I get this? And so one day, Roger comes to me and um, he says, you know, I just won the lottery. And I thought he was full because we're always joking about, you know, one to another. And it turns out that he did win the lottery. He won $2.8 million. And our, my first impression was, we were on the phone with him when he told me this. I said, get out, you're just joking around. And he said, no, man, I, I won the lottery, and now I can get out of this crazy place. I can retire in about a year. I'm going to retire. I'm going to buy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy a house down the shore and so forth, and I'm going to have a wonderful life, and it's going to be wonderful. Now, this guy, Roger, he was not a Christian. He didn't, in fact, he used to pick on me pretty much daily for my faith. 
and needle me about the Christian faith. And here he wins the lottery. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, why in the world? How did he win the lottery? I mean, here I am trying to follow you, trying to do all the things you, you want me to, to do. And this guy wins the lottery. And I'm, and I'm comparing my life to his life. And my life, like, really sucked at that moment. <laughs> you know? And then to make matters worse, this is a number of years ago. He was going to get a new house down the shore, a shore home. And that summer, the only thing I could afford with five people in the family was a one-room shack at Scrubby Pines down in Barnegat, New Jersey. Can you imagine fitting five people in a 10 by 10 one-room shack for a week's vacation? And here, this guy, he, he, he got $2.8 million and he's buying a home down in, um, I think it was, Lavalette. And so I started comparing. It was just like a bad scene. But, and on the phone, I, I was on the phone going, Really? And he says, yeah, really. And I said, oh, congratulations. Meanwhile, going, oh, my God, I can't believe <laughs> And I'm like, I'm like, you know, being envious of him. And then, to make matters worse, six months later, he calls me into his office and says, Dave, guess what? I said, what? I thought he was going to give me some of his money, you know? <laughs> so I didn't have to have one room shack for a vacation. He goes, I won the lottery again. Oh, my God. And I said, go out of here. You're now you're pulling my leg. He goes, no, I won the lottery again. And he pulls out the lottery ticket, and he pulls out the thing. It was five, only, only $500,000 this time. And I'm you are kidding me. And I said, oh, I'm so happy for you, Roger. Inside, I'm going, oh, man, I can't believe he got that. And I was really envious. And so the amazing thing, even though that happens, is uh, Roger ended up becoming a Christian through those things. Wow. And a pretty amazing thing. Um, I'm just switching high school, growing up in school. Another example, I was a, a linebacker in high school, Scotch Plains Family High. And it wasn't great, you know, but uh, I worked my way through the scrubs, and I was up in um, varsity. It's the senior year, and I'm all pumped that I'm going to be starting, getting all the babes, you know, at school and all, because that's one of the reasons guys play football, you know. It's really about, it's really about the girls, right? It's a, isn't it really, though, anything in life, many things in life, it's not just about that, but it's about how you feel by getting that. How other people look at you is a lot of times determines how you really feel about yourself, right? Isn't that true? And that's that comparing thing going on. You may look to the right, and you might say, gee, I'm, I'm better than that person. You may look to the left and say, well, I'm not better than that person. I'm, I'm, he makes me feel a little insecure. But anyway, I was so excited, and then I heard a big commotion one day down Jock Hall, and uh, I wasn't really, I, I actually hated jocks. I wasn't a jock. I, I, I didn't really like them because I never fit in. And the thing is, I heard this big commotion, and their cheerleaders were all around. And I go, what's going on around here? And then there's this guy in the middle of the crowd. I go, who's that? And they said, oh, his name's Doug. I go, oh, Doug. And uh, what does he do? And he goes, well, he's coming. He just moved into town, and he's going to be trying out for the football team. I go, really? What position? And they say, middle linebacker. I go, middle linebacker? So this guy turns out to be bigger, stronger, even cuter. <laughs> he had it all. It was horrible. <laughs> you know? And uh, I ended up uh, not starting because this guy comes in on my territory and becomes the starting linebacker. And here I am comparing myself to him and so forth and so on. And uh, so two weeks into the season, 
And I'm, I'm like, you know, inside, it's like, I'm, on the outside, I'm like, yeah, I'm so happy, you know, team spirit, rah, rah, rah. On the inside, I'm like comparing myself to this guy and say, man, I am never going to measure up. I'm never going to measure up. Some of you guys may think to yourself, I'm never going to measure up because you're living according to someone else's view of you or what your perception is of yourself based on, based on how you compare yourself to others, whether it's in your career, whether it's in your relationship, whether it's uh, you, you fill in the blank. But anyway, <laughs> uh, three weeks into the season, Doug breaks his ankle. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and I go up to him and say, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Can I autograph your cast? <laughs> and, um, you know, true story. I mean, don't hate on me, because maybe some of us are like this. A lot of us struggle with this idea of comparison. In fact, um, Dr. Stanley, he calls this the, the, uh, the world of error. We all want to be bigger, better, stronger, cuter than others, right? It's just the way we, and we compare ourselves, we value ourselves by the standard of what other people look to us as being or what we look at other people being. So we're stuck, it's like a, it's like a never-ending thing that happens all through life. And you may not even know you're doing it while you're doing it. So for example, if you have, if you have a kid, and there's that, that video about kids, you want your kid to be better, better than the other kid, don't you? Um, and, and I hate to say it, but when other kids get in trouble, that's not your kid, it's kind of, it kind of feels good, doesn't it? It kind of goes, well, it's not my kid, you know. Or when other, when other kids succeed, and they're, well, my boy, he just got a four-year full ride to Harvard University, and your kid can barely get through high school. <laughs> and inside, you may be thinking, wow, I can't, you know, I can't believe this is going on. And why am I feeling like this? It's really ugly. It's really like an ugly emotion, isn't it? It's like an ugly thing going on inside, but it's something within us. Uh, and then it just doesn't go to us. It could go to to your, your spouse. You may want a bigger, or a, not a bigger spouse, you may want, you may want a, a skinnier spouse, you may want a more successful husband, and you start comparing yourself. Well, they have this, but why do we have this? And it goes on and on and on. Or I remember moving in, and I'm gonna make a confession, one of my friends is here, I, I moved into my first home, my only home actually, in 1988, and it was a, we had moved out of an apartment, so that, you know, it was like going to heaven. But then, Six months later, one of my best friends got a home, and we helped him move into his home, and his home had more bedrooms and looked nicer than my home, so all of a sudden, my home wasn't good enough. And so I started to get envious of that. It's a really sick thing going on, isn't it? And if you can remember one thing in this whole message about, because if you can't, if you live in this world of, of Ur, where you want to be the biggest or the, the best or bigger than that person, uh, you're never going to live in. You're never going to live in joy in God's presence. You're never going to be living in a world where you are satisfied with who you are in your life and in your relationship with Jesus. It's going to be a never-ending battle. It's going to be a never-ending treadmill. And if you can remember one thing, remember this. And uh, I really, I really feel to me this has been life-changing. And you know, I don't struggle with this all the time, but. Subtly things creep in in my life where it happens. And I hope I'm speaking to someone today that can identify with this comparative thing going on 
in life because a lot of our a lot of our lives are wasted by looking at what someone else is doing rather than what what God wants you to do with what you have and it's this it's uh, basically comparison uh, kills contentment it destroys contentment and you know it also destroys the family of God it destroys uh, fellowship and love for one another in a church body and here comparison is a no-win situation and here we have a picture of uh, Danny DeVito <laughs> can you imagine De Danny DeVito will never be Arnold Schwarzenegger really <laughs> Danny DeVito <laughs> I mean he's just who he is I love that movie and he's just who he is and Arnold Schwarzenegger is who, who he is but if Danny DeVito started comparing himself to Arnold Schwarzenegger, I mean, it would be a, a, a it would be like a never-ending treadmill of frustration, of frustration and a trap, wouldn't it? But a lot of us live our lives like this. And can we repeat that together, this phrase? Because I think it's so important. If you can live your life by this and really apply it, sub, you know, subtle and subtle ways, um, we we all compare the value of who we are by what other people think of us or by what we think our station in life is. But if we could actually apply this, this would be amazing. And can we repeat this together? Comparison kills contentment. There's no win in comparison. There's no win because even though you're, you think you're better than this person, there's always going to be someone who's going to be better than you, isn't it? Is there someone going to be bigger? There's going to be someone like uh, Doug, that, the linebacker fellow, by the way, I never ended up playing after that. Even though he broke his ankle, I ended up not playing, starting anyway. But um, you're always going to have people in your life that's going to be better than you. And so why do we act like this? Why do we live life like this? Why are we into the comparative game? Uh, and what do we do to fix this type of thing? And, you know, it's uh, for me, uh, I'm studying the scriptures, and I have a couple of scriptures I want to share. And I feel this is amazing. And there's a book in um, that the, the most, really the wisest guy in the whole world wrote. His name was King Solomon. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And this book is so packed with wisdom, so packed with advice on how we can live. And here's a dude who knew what he was talking about. I mean, he had everything. He did everything. It says in the scripture he didn't withhold anything uh, from his heart. Any kind of pleasure he wanted. He had 600 concubines, 300 wives. What would you do with 300 wives? Jeez. My gosh. And he, you know, he had all the treasures. He was the richest guy on earth at the time. Kings and queens came to him for advice. He had it all. And here we see an amazing passage. He answers the question of how this, this why are we like this? Why are we like this in, in, in our compared spirit to one another? In the scripture, he says that. Envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. I think it's interesting that even doctors will tell you that people with arthritis and so forth, a lot of it can be emotion. The root of that can be emotional illness. Can be uh, you're just holding in grudges and, and, and envy and so forth. And it can come out in different ways like that. Amazing how the Bible is so relevant for today. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, he answers the question. He says, hey... He goes in 4-4, in the next slide. He says this, he says, And I saw that all the toil, how much toil? All the toil. So that's all the work, all the, like, that treadmill of, like, life, 
all the stuff going on and all the achievements of people and so forth and all the stuff that we see, people, the competition, the comparing, all of it springs from one person's envy of another. And then he says, this too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. There's no win in comparison because it's chasing after the wind. It's like, it's like being on a treadmill and you're like the gerbil. On the treadmill, you're going around and around and around, and you're not ever really getting peace in your life. You're not getting fulfillment in your life because you're always looking over here or looking over there and not having that fulfillment. And we go through life like this. Many of us, I, I have people come to me, I hate my job, I hate my state in life, I hate where I am in my life. Why can't I be married? Why is that person married? Why is this person wealthier than me? Why does this person have a home and I've been in, a, in, a, in an apartment for the last five years? Why, why, why? Why am I a sickly person and this person's healthy, yet they eat rotten, <laughs> you know? They go out and they party on Saturday night and they're healthy and their cholesterol levels are fine. Here, I try to like skimp and so forth and, and I can't even, you know, lose a pound. And it's like, it just goes on and on, the things we can compare ourselves for. And he's saying, this is meaningless. It's chasing the wind. And can you chase the wind? You can't chase the wind. It's like trying to chase the, 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 the pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. It never happens. And so this is the world's view in life. This is what we see. It's keeping up with the Joneses philosophy. Is what we saw in the video. But then he continues in the next verse slide, and he, he says this, and some of us may be asking ourselves, well, Dave, does that mean we shouldn't, you know, try to better ourselves, that we, we shouldn't try to be healthier or, or bigger or, 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 you know, get a better job? No, it's not saying that, because in the very next slide, Solomon says, look, he says, <laughs> fools fold their hands and turn, uh, and turn them, and what does it say? And ruin themselves. Man, my eyes are bad. I wish I had better eyes than you guys. <laughs> and ruin themselves. So he's saying, no, no, it's not about being all you can be. It's not about that. But it's about, about who, who, whose race are you running? Are you running your own race or are you trying to run someone else's race? Uh, when you look in the mirror, are you looking in the mirror and seeing someone else out there, that, that, that elusive person or that elusive thing? Or is it, are you looking at yourself in the mirror? And then he says this, and I think this is the key verse here, and that's coming in. And to me, um, it, it's an amazing, amazing verse, a life change. If we could apply, it's a game changer. If we could apply this verse to our lives and really mean it. Now, I know most of us are believers here, and you might say, well, I believe the Bible is God's word. But if you could actually apply this verse and live by it and catch yourself every time you get, you, you like sink into that ugly, that ugly comparative, negative comparative behavior, then your whole life will change around. And so it's, it's, in this, it's in this slide. He says this in the next slide. He says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after wind. Better, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind. And the, the Hebrew uh, way of interpreting this would be it's better to have 
one hand, you have your one fistful. You have this. This is what God has given you. Your other hand is open toward God. It's like, God, Lord, whatever it is in my life, you know, I'm going to let you take this, whatever it is. You might bring me something good in this, or you might take something away. My hand's going to be open, but you've given me this. You've given, whatever this is, you've given it to me, and I'm going to be satisfied with that. I'm going to be grateful for that. I'm going to live in tranquility for that. Rather than holding two-fisted to everything in life and making everything a competition with someone else. And this whole world is seeking peace. This whole world is seeking contentment. This whole world is seeking tranquility. Don't you just sometimes wish you could just get off that treadmill? Don't you wish sometimes you could just stop and rest? Some of you, are you feeling tired in your life? Are you feeling like you're, you're always competing or comparing yourself? It's funny, you know, um, in a given one-hour show, say a, a movie, there's like 70 just different images of commercials that are telling us how we should be bigger, uh, how, you know, how we should have larger houses or look better. Uh, a survey was taken recently, says the average woman, not picking on you gals, but dudes, you know, we're, I don't think we, we think about... Wait, I got an our, email about that. Our physical appearance. But, but that, that women actually have, during the day, at least 13 negative thoughts about how they would want a better body or a better appearance or this or that. And it's a constant barrage. And a lot of it's coming from out there because when they look in the mirror, they're seeing them, whoever those are. They want more of the er out there rather than, rather than concentrating on what God has given them like this. And guys, dudes are the same. I go to the club, I work out at LA Fitness, and I see the dudes looking at one another. Yeah, yeah, man, uh, you're, you're good, you're good. There's all mirrors, too. Guys are tricky that way, you know? There, there's mirrors all around, because no one wants to catch someone else looking at another dude, you know? But there's mirrors all around, and you see, like, the eyes going on like that. And, like, I, I remember thinking, yeah, you're good, but I'm er, you know? And, uh, but then another guy... And Est walks by. He's the biggest guy in the whole club. He walks by, and he's like huge. He's like amazingly fit physique and so forth. And then all of a sudden, you start like you know getting that comparative thing going on, and it becomes a really futile, nasty trap. But this is what he's saying. And uh, in in um, if you go to the next scripture, and he continues with this. He says this. He says he says there was no end to his toil. Now he's talking about a dude that's living like this. <laughs> There was no end to his toil, and um, yet his eyes were not, underline that word, content with his wealth. Because you can't be. If you're living this kind of way, you're never going to be content. If you get, I remember, it's like this. I went three, three for four in a softball game, and, and my friend went four for four. But why couldn't I go four for four? Why did I have to go with three for four? Life is like that. You're going to be like that. And, and you may not be in the same way I am, but you may struggle with it in different ways. And so here's a dude, he wasn't content with his, with his uh, another satisfied. He wasn't living in tranquility, even though he had wealth. And then he asked himself a question, which is really telling. He goes, why in the world am I toiling? And who am I toiling for all this? Why am I doing, why am I living on this treadmill my whole life like this? For what? For what? And basically, uh, Solomon says, this too is meaningless. He says, 
you're depriving, he's saying about this guy, this guy is depriving himself of true happiness and enjoyment because he's living like this. He's living like this rather than like this. And he says, this too is meaningless. And he says, look, it's a miserable business living life like that. A miserable business. I know people who are so successful. They're amazingly successful. Yet they're miserable because they, they, they have to get to the next mountain because someone else got there before that. Doesn't mean you can't try your best, but to see that balance in there. In Philippians, taking it to the New Testament, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. And he says that the, uh, he's learned, this is Paul, he's learned to be content in any circumstances. There's that word content again. Notice it's a process. It's not something you maybe can do right away. And I understand that. And I've caught myself about five times this week during the message here. Uh, why, um, you know, doing that. Even today, we have a lower attendance today than usual. I said, wow. You know, as a, even as a, it's how crazy it is. Even you could compare yourself spiritually. And this is really where it gets dangerous. You could compare yourself spiritually to another person. Well, they speak better than me. Or they're spirit. I wish, why, do, why don't, and that's what the Corinthian controversy was in 1 Corinthians. They were envious of one another's gifts. And you, as a pastor, you could be envious of another church's attendance. Isn't it sick? It's crazy. But this is what it, what it is. But Paul says he has learned, there's a process that you can learn to, to be content in these circumstances. And he says, look, I'm just as happy with little as I am with much. I've learned the secret of being happy, whether hands fall or whether hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can do anything through the one who makes me who I am. And that's the key. And there's three little things we're going to close with. Three little quick points. And notice that it's a process, learning this way of living, and catching yourself when you're, when you're trying to compare with one another. And notice also that he can do it. It's all because of the one who makes him who he is. So Paul is finding his worth in Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian today, you know, you have an amazing heritage. You've been adopted as a child of God. You've been given a new, a new name in heaven. You're, you're a new creation. Anything that happened to you past doesn't apply because now you're new. You don't have to carry that baggage. And you don't have to live in, a, in this, this way of thinking. And it's so revolutionary if you could live like this as believers. But there's so many believers in our, in our world, Christians that live in bondage, because they're comparing themselves to other people. They're living in bondage and they're never really entering and life is going by. And, and maybe if you're, if you're, you know, even myself, I'm confessing myself, you know, man, you know, for the last five years when we left a regular full-time work to, to start a church, it's like, you know, I don't think my motives were totally right all the time. Because, you know, some of it's that, that competitive, negative comparative spirit. And meanwhile, my family was growing up, and my kids. I have a little girl, you know, she's going to college this September. And the last five years has been a whirlwind. And because I was out there comparing and competing, doing a lot of good things, right? A lot of people come to Christ, growing as a church, but, you know, I missed out. 
I missed out because I was in, on this treadmill without realizing what I was losing. Some of you are going through life right now and you're losing things because you think you have to be out there and you're living like this. And God says, no, don't do that. So first thing is this, comparison kills and there is no win in, uh, in comparison. But here's the key here. As we just said, find your value in Jesus. That's it. Find your value in Jesus. That sounds so trite and so easy, but if you really live this way, you won't have to worry about it. When you look in the mirror, it's not what other people are saying. It's what Jesus says about you. Your identity in Christ is amazing. As sinful people, we need to pound it daily into our heads. More than daily. Every hour, you need to remind yourself whose you are. You need to remind yourself who values you. You need to remind yourself who died for you. You need to remind yourself who's coming back for you. You need to remind yourself it's not what your <clears throat> boss thinks. It's not what your ex-girlfriend thinks. It's not what your ex-husband thinks. It's not even what you think. It's what he thinks. Amen. That's important. Next point is this. Is what you have is less important than what you do what you have. I know that sounds a little weird. What you have is less important than what you do with what you have. So, in other words, a lot of people go through life whining, why don't I have this? Why that? Why can't I have that and that and that? Meanwhile, life is passing by, but they don't realize they're not doing anything with what they already have. Amen. We see a parable that Jesus, and I'm not going to the scripture in no time, but there's a parable that Jesus gives somebody, three guys, different talents. And it could be money, you could fill the blank in, whatever it might be, relationship, whatever it might be. You get five, three, one, and he said, all I want you to do with this, this is your special gift that I'm giving you. You're uniquely, uniquely you. No one else is like you. Don't go looking over at that person who you think you can't ever be. Neither look down on this person. You're a unique person. You're my child, and I love you. And I want you to use the gifts that I've given you and be the best that you can be. Not that what you think you should be, but based on what other people are saying, by comparing. And so these, these three guys did it, and two of the guys, they got a good return on their investment, but the one dude buried his gift in the ground. And therefore, he wasn't, he wasn't using what God gave him. So he was more worried about what he had than, rather than what he was doing with what he had. Many people, many successful people, when you talk to people, and I love watching Shark Tank. How many of you guys love watching Shark Tank? I love Shark Tank because, you know, I love the spirit. We all love people who had nothing, right? And they became something. Because it's kind of like the American spirit. It's kind of like a success story. We all love that. And none of these people, one of the common factors here is very few of these people are looking at the competition, comparing themselves, but rather they're thanking, them, thanking God. They're being grateful for what they do have. They say, well, you know what? Whatever I do have, in, in way, whatever has been given me, I'm going to make that, and I'm going I'm to make that into something and use it. And that's what they're doing. That's what this means here. What you have is less important than what you do than what you have. And so wherever you are in your life right now, you've been given certain talents. You've been given certain gifts. You've been given um, a family. Maybe it's not the best family, but you're stuck with them. It's your family. But it's given you an experience. You may even be sick right now. You may have something going on right now. But God has put you in this position. He's made you uniquely you. And whatever it is, whatever that thing he's given you, he wants you to use it to your best ability 
and trust him to bless you through it. Amen. When you worry about what others have, when you worry about what I don't have, then you don't have time to work on what you do have. And that's how God wants you to live. And that parable just brings it home. And Jesus held these guys accountable. He said, what'd you do? You had, you had this talent and you, you hit it, you buried it in the ground? <clears throat> God wants us, he has amazing plans for each one of us. So, therefore, it's not the fact that, uh, you know, I can't be Joel Osteen, right? Because Joel Osteen came from a different mold, and God has given him a different town. But I could be Dave Butler. That's right. And you can't be Dave Butler. And some of you are going, thank God for that. <laughs> hey. But you, God made you uniquely you, and he wants you to use what you have instead of sitting whining all day, complaining all day, uh, making excuses all day, being the victim all day, Instead of saying, okay, so this is what I have. This is what was given me. This is the color of my skin. This is my, my heart disease. This is what, what little I had. Yeah, I had a screwed up family. But this is where God put me. Now what? Amen. God wants to use you in amazing, audacious ways. If you really apply these things. Last thing is this. And this is important. It says, celebrate what God has given others and leverage what God has given you. Kind of like the same principle. So actually, celebrate what God... Rejoice with those who rejoice, the scripture says in Romans. Weep with those who weep. And you mean it. <laughs> you know, the Christian world is, you know, when you find out something and maybe you didn't really like the person or maybe... And I see this as... You see the, in a church, you know, we're, we're all in need of, desperately in need of Jesus Christ. Because our way of thinking can be so distorted. It's just crazy. And you may say, here's a, here's a Christian response. Um, you find out something happened to someone, and you know maybe you fill in the blank, whatever it is, something, and you go, oh, I'm so sorry. I mean, I, no, I'll pray for you. you know, and a lot of times, it's like you're not really feeling like that. Maybe you're even happy about it because this happens. And I, I know I'm, I'm taking a negative view here, but this is human nature. And if we were honest with ourselves, if we were really honest with ourselves, like that video, uh, we are very similar in many different subtle ways. But if we could celebrate what God has given others and, and then leverage what God has given us, kind of the same point, it would go a best way. So comparison kills contentment. I'm going to call the band up. There's no win in comparison. And some of us today... You know, we walk in here and maybe you're, you're not a believer in Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're feeling worthless. Maybe you're not one of those people who thinks you're better than anyone. And maybe you're not even competing with anyone because you're just, you're just feeling so low that you're just like, man, I'm, I'm just nothing and I have, I'm just so lost and I'm worthless. Well, that's, that's a lie because the Heavenly Father loves you. He's given you His Son, Jesus who died on the cross for your sins. So as we bow our heads, if you're that person who has not come into this relationship, and a relationship's a process, right? So even though we have these things going on in our lives right now where we're, we struggle with this competitive or comparative nature, Jesus is with us. He's holding us each step of the way. So let's pray. Father,